Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Timonini. Today I am in conversation with not one, but two of the most talented and genuinely wonderful human beings working in musical theater today, Hannah Ellis and Paul Alexander Nolan. As you have heard us talk about on other Broadway radio shows, they are currently co-starring in the world premiere production of the new Aaron's and Flaherty musical Knoxville at the Oslo Rep in Sarasota, Florida. Now, we had originally planned on doing this interview earlier in the run, but because of some COVID delays, which we'll talk about, it got pushed to last Friday. So unfortunately, there's only two more days left of performances, but fortunately, there are four shows left, two on Tuesday, May 10th, and two on Wednesday, May 11th. We will, of course, have a link in the show notes and in the article version of this episode on BroadwayRadio.com for you to get all of the information on how you can see Knoxville at Oslo Rep in the next few days. In addition to Hannah and Paul, the show is led by the absolutely legendary Jason Danieli. Also featured in the cast is Nathan Southstone, amongst a whole host of other fantastic Broadway and musical theater performers. If you were listening to this, chances are that you know that Hannah and Paul have worked together again in a show set around the turn of the last century in a southern town. Of course, they co-starred in Bright Star, which was written by Steve Martin and Edie Brickell. And of course, we talk about the connections between these two shows and what makes them different from each other. But Knoxville is based on James Agee's autobiographical Pulitzer Prize winning novel, A Death in the Family, and chronicles some of the difficulties in his young life that had an effect on him, his mother, his town, and his future. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Hannah Ellis and Paul Alexander Nolan. All right, so I guess the first question is, how is everybody feeling and doing after the pause that you've had here in the last couple of weeks? I mean, Matt, you're catching us on a nine-show week. Oh, my God. We are. I, I, I can't believe we're here, actually. There's, it's, there's a part of it that's dreamlike because of the pause with COVID and just this feeling of, will we ever get there? Will we ever actually open this show? <laughs> And I know a lot of performers are probably feeling that. So to be in the group of folks who actually get to be on a stage right now feels pretty wonderful. Yeah. And and Paul, you guys have both been a part of the show for a long time. This show was supposed to have opened, even though you're still kind of dealing with the ramifications of opening now, years ago, two years ago, in 2020. Now that you have been able to kind of get with this group, go through the, the last stage of that creation process, get on stage in front of an audience. What has that been like, especially on the backside of the past two years that we've had? Well, I had um, it, it's been a bit of a soft landing for me because I, I, I did a rebound to slave play before mm-hmm. this in in New York and in L.A. Um, so this was like a happy <laughs> welcome home because uh, uh, slave play was so difficult um just from an art- artistic standpoint it was a wonderful experience but um so this has been a little bit of a breath of fresh air and somehow we avoided getting both of these two companies sick for so long that it's it did it, 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 it kind of feel like well how now how did this how did this happen now we've been rehearsing for five weeks and um but um 
Yeah, it's 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 like actors morning right now. So I've literally already forgotten your question. No, no, you're good. You're good. I, when Tara signed on, she was like, oh, we'll see if they, uh, you know, if they get here. And I said like 10 a.m. for two actors. And I'm assuming you had a show last night like this is way early. So I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, it, you you answered the question. It's uh, I imagine that whether you're coming straight in from another show like you are or even if it for some people in the company, it might be their first you know, time back on stage in, in a couple yeah, of years. I think, I think it's like, it might be more interesting um, to hear Hannah speak to it because uh, I know that a lot of the company, it was, it was, it's, it's very disorienting being back. I, in my experience, going back to New York to do the play before this one, uh, it was, you know, it was like coming out of a time capsule thinking, is it safe to come out? It's like Kimmy Schmidt or something, um, which I haven't seen, but my wife just explained the plot to me. So, oh, it's great. You need to watch it. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Hannah, he pitched it to you. What is what was that feeling like coming out of the pandemic and getting back to work on on anything? I'm, I'm not sure if this was the, the first thing you jumped into, but I mean, what was it like having that gap, which... I don't know for you, but for me, it feels like it was both like a decade long and like a month long at the same time. Right. And I had done TV and film over that two year period, but this is my first, this is my first stage production back. And there is something so visceral about the stage. You know, we're standing at, at the edge of the stage, five feet away from our first audience member. It's such a collective human experience there's nothing like it. So I think everything I took for granted before when it came to live theater, um, that's come full circle for me. And I step on stage with a lot of gratitude every night that I didn't totally get, I think, pre-pandemic. Uh, but the best thing that came out of of COVID for our show, I know you guys are probably, we say that word so much, right? It's like the C word, COVID. It's like, oh, are we tired of saying that word? But it's been so impactful for our industry and continues to be. But the best thing that came out of that was we had two years to get to know each other. So we had started this production in February of 2020. And then obviously in March of 2020 had to step away. And we had only known each other for three weeks, most of the cast. And over that two-year span, we all hung out as, you know, on Zoom and, and you know, outside walks in the park in New York City and, you know, what we could do, um, we did. And so all of a sudden, I've spent two years getting to know people who play my aunt on stage, who play my mother, my father, who play my son. Um, and so we come back with a real sense of richness and have to act a lot less, which is nice. <laughs> so COVID has made your job easier is what you've just yeah, said. Always, That's a quote. Yeah. I'm always interested in acting less. And you can you can quote me on that. Great. Great. That's oh, all. Paul understands. Paul knows. Yeah. Well, obviously, um, you two knew each other before the Knoxville process and had worked together. And we'll get to that. But I, I do wonder, you know, so much of the rebound from COVID, especially with everybody doing things on stage, is how that break has impacted not necessarily the literal textual what's on the page of the work, but how it resonates both with the actors in the audience. For either of you, did either your vision of what the show meant or how it impacted you as an actor change because of the experiences that we've had from March of 2022, now sitting here in May of 2022? I don't know, Paul. What do you think? 
I don't think it, it, well, first of all, I will say that I wasn't part of the 2020 production. I, I okay. uh, a fellow named Ben, what's, what's Ben's last ben name? Ben Michael. Ben Michael, okay, who, yeah. booked, um, who booked a Broadway show. So he he's making his Broadway debut with um, uh, Paradise Square. Square. Um, so I got the chance to come back to it because I was part of developing it for the workshop in the lab. And, um. Uh, so for me, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I, I really don't. It's like, um, it's a little like taking your clothes off on stage. Once you decide to do it, you're just going to do it. And you don't really think about it that much. You, you've already made the choice. So uh, for me, it's still just about the the play and, and what we're with the story we're telling. Um I know there's a lot, 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 many people, I'm not necessarily in our cast, but I think are, are more nervous about, um, you know, and, and the, the COVID's always in the back of their mind. But once I'm in the play, I'm in the play. And uh, it's not something that is kind of behind me, tapping me on the shoulder all the time. Yeah, I will say that our, that Knoxville has themes of loss and death certainly that makes it sound very morbid our show is not it's full of a lot of hope and life but we get to deal with both of those themes it's a juxtaposition that we live in so i do look out at the audience every night there's a lovely point in the show where i paul is singing and i just get to i get to look out at the audience i just get to i probably get 30 seconds just to you know, gaze out at, at, um, our other scene partners, which is that the audience is always, you know, part of our show. And I do think in my mind, I wonder if it's different for them receiving a story about loss and how to find closure and how to deal with grief, but also, you know, what it is to appreciate family and find joy in life, it must be different for them to receive the story. And um, I think that's the most exciting part is the way it probably resonates with people who are watching us. Well, probably the privilege that it is for all of us to be in a, a theater, like you spoke to Hannah, uh, feeling more gratitude now on the other end of it for getting to be there. I, I think an audience may feel the same way being able to come back to the theater. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The show has a, a, a sense of melancholy to it, but it's also kind of tinged with those moments of joy. And I feel like for an audience member sitting there having the opportunity to see, I mean, a, an Aaron's and Flaherty world premiere with this incredible cast is joyful, but it's also coming on the heels of something that was obviously keeping us away from theater and, and having a lot more um, dramatic and difficult circumstances in, in the years leading up to it. So it does have a lot of those emotions with it. But you, mentioning the fact that this is a world premiere from an iconic creative team, um, what has this process been like, aside from the COVID, working with not only the creative team offstage, but this really phenomenal cast of, of heavy hitters on stage, um, dating back to the very beginning and then down in, in Florida at Oslo as well? Yeah, we are stacked. This show is stacked. If you are a Broadway theater nerd, you're going to love the company because we have icons like Barbara Marino and, and uh, I mean, Jason Danieli. I mean, come on. There are people on stage I'm standing next to. I think, you know, collectively, it's like over 100 years of experience on Broadway. We were teasing about that. 
But uh, we have a lot of amazing, amazing established old guard actors who know how to put a new show up, uh, know what good storytelling is. And I feel, you know, I feel pretty lucky to be working with everyone. And obviously, like you said, on a new piece, actors are always jonesing to get their hands on a new piece and put their artistic, what I call their artistic DNA um, into the story, because obviously we're creating something that will live beyond us. That's the point of theater, right? Creating something that hopefully a lot of other people are going to get to step into. But um, it's fun because we leave a little bit of who we are in the roles, in the story, in the characters. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this cast is stacked. Come on. I, you you mentioned Jason Daniel, and it was funny, Hannah, you mentioned the fact that there's a moment when you can look out at the audience. There are moments in the show where I found myself watching Jason, watching the rest of the cast, where he's just kind of over in a corner, and I'm like, oh my, that's Jason Daniel, like, I'm watching him react. I'm like, that's almost as, you know, gratifying as an audience member to watch the action itself. What is, Paul, go to you, I mean, what has been working with him and the rest of this company been for you coming from a much different show in slave play um uh, another fantastic ensemble but a much different vibe i would imagine at least on stage well like hannah was touching on there's something that you get from the amount of experience that this company has i mean ellen harvey bill perry like barbara marino hannah jason Got Joel Wagner, who uh, I don't, you know, Joel doesn't have like a giant Broadway history, but you know, he comes with with an artistry that when you have a cast of people that have, it's like weaving together uh, fabric from the best strands of silk. You know, you, you just you you just do get a quality, um, three dimensional piece that 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 it does make a difference in a very subtle way. So, um, I mean, that's what it's like also to work with other art artists that bring that kind of dimension to the work that it it's, you know, it's not always something obvious, but it's something that when you're a sensitive, uh, living, breathing human within the world that's been written for you, it, um, it helps ignite the imagination, not to mention our little Jack, uh, who plays Rufus, uh, who's just an exceptional young actor. He's just like, I was watching him listen to Hannah last night and it's just extraordinary how, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a gog at this child. So, uh, and, um, so does that answer the question? Yeah, uh, no, no, kind of, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, and uh, from the get go, cause Jason had just lost his wife uh, when we first did the reading. And, um, so that adds a huge dimension to the piece that you, you know, is undeniable, uh, and personal. So I think, um, you know, everybody in the cast nearly, I'm sure has lost someone, if not a parent. And, um, and I think that's why it moves our audience so much as well. You, you know, you never can really tell as an actor whether your work is going to reach uh, people and touch their touch their hearts or their minds or their their beings the way you think it will because you spend so long, you know, kind of spinning your wheels in the in the mud, so to speak. But when I look at the audience when we bow, there, you know, 
almost everybody's crying. Um, so it, it's, it, 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 it is affecting people the way that we are affected, which is nice because, you know, we don't do it totally for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, and just as a quick aside, I, I'm was sitting there in the audience, you know, especially in those first opening moments of the show and, um, watching Jason, kind of be the eyes into the show for the audience of a new Aaron's and Flaherty show. And then I think back to the first time that I ever went on a trip to New York City and saw Ragtime and saw Marin being the eyes of the audience into that show as well. So that was, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. like it's, that was a, a really impactful moment for for me as well. But um, I mentioned earlier, you two have obviously worked together on a new, I guess, Southern based uh, show in the past um, with with Bright Star. And both that show and this show have iconic writing teams, but come at it from very different perspectives. And I'm not asking you to say one was better or, you know, for the other, but I would imagine that at least there was some differences working with um, Steve and Edie on that show who have theatrical experience, but maybe not the musical theater experience going to Steve and Lynn who are icons in the industry. Were there differences in the creation of those shows on how it was approached um, for you as an actor, as you were putting those things together? Well, we only work with Steve's. That's the first thing. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. The name has to be Steve. In That's your contract. the yeah. requirement. That's right. Yeah. We're moving west, you know, from North Carolina. We've moved west to, to Tennessee. So the next show Paul and I do together should be, I don't know, Missouri or. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. With Ville. Yeah. With Ville in the name of it. Yeah. Right. Just keep moving west. I mean, yeah. You can't. Comparing these teams is like comparing. I mean. Yeah. It's just the wealth of riches in a room. You know, it's like, do you like rubies or do you like emeralds? You know, um, they both have been amazing experiences, but very different. Like you yeah. said, was there was there something tangible that you can point to that maybe their approaches were were different in how the interactions were with the actors or in the development of it or in the creation of the characters or anything? You know, what's interesting is we have the same choreographer. So Josh oh, yeah. wrote choreographed bright star and he also choreographed knoxville so i would say he's the thread that sort of holds those two shows together for me as an artist looking at them you know josh's uh choreography and movement which is so human um he's so good at dramatizing recognizable human behavior uh and so i say i I think he's the thread between those two shows Definitely for us. I have a lot less jokes in this show. (laughs) Yes, it's a little different character. Bright Star was because Steve Martin would just write you a new joke every night, you know, and say, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? So uh, for me, I think that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Paul, any any takeaways from you? It is hard to compare them because though they do appear to be very similar from their wholesomeness being, you know, turn of the century, like just past the 1915, um, they're entirely different um, shows in that uh, this one feels a lot more abstract to me. Um, Now that said, I do play a bit of an abstract person at some point, you know, at some point, you know, when the event happens, you kind of like aren't sure i think as an audience whether 
something's real or is it a memory or a, or a conjure a conjuring or you know and all of that is part of the the processing of the lead characters uh which are played by hannah and jason so um whereas um steve's play in uh bright star was you know more traditional storytelling um and more subplot and 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 that this is to me feels a little more like a uh a dream a processing Mm -hmm. dream and uh um I, I love them both for different reasons, but I, I'm really into abstract and in theater, especially when it's it's able to be um, made sense of. I find that fascinating when people can be talking about such an, uh, a, a hard thing to put to words, but make you understand it. Like the, the I, I always reference the author, Tom... Um, Oh my God, Tom Robbins, who who is a little like this screenwriter Charlie Kaufman, and you're like, how did they how did they make this understandable to most humans? Because this the 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 thoughts that they're that they're weaving together are not terribly easy to weave together. Yet it seems it it's understandable. So anyway, unlike the thought I just tried to put together, there, <laughs> it's still early. Yeah, it's still early for you. Somewhat, uh, they would describe Knoxville often as a haunting. Yeah. And I think that is so, that's so spot on because we're certainly in a memory play or a memory musical for sure. Um, but a haunting is something that it's more specific and, and describes us in a, you know, in a better way. And Knoxville is only 95 minutes. So <laughs> it's so nice to jump on the roller coaster and then just know when the ride's over, it's over, right? There's no, we're not having to suspend ourselves over a 15 minute intermission and come back. That's really difficult for actors to do. Uh, so I've been so thankful for this 95 minute ride that we all get to say, you know, break legs. I'll see you out there. And at the end of the show, it's the end. Yeah. Well, I will wrap up this conversation, let you get your coffee or whatever you have to do, Paul, uh, this early in the morning um, with with one question. I, I, I did look this up. I'm sure you didn't know this exactly, but it is exactly 116 miles from Asheville to Knoxville. Um, so I would wonder what would a road trip from Asheville to Knoxville with you two in the car look like? Who's who's manning the music? Who's driving? Who's navigating? What snacks are in the car? Um, any, yeah, any got, thoughts on that? I, I'm going to start this rolling. We're in the Model T, and <laughs> I'm I'm clearly I'm not driving. Um, spoiler alert! Yeah, if, yeah, if spoiler you see alert. Knoxville, you don't want Paul to drive. Either that, or or Hannah's doing the maintenance on the vehicle before we start the road trip. There's going to be a guitar because we wouldn't have a radio in the in the in the Model in the T. T. Yeah. Um, Hannah, what snacks? Uh, well, I don't know if you know this about Paul Nolan. I think. I like to describe him. He's sort of like, he's like a really good cheese. And I'm from the Midwest, so I want you to take this as a high compliment. Okay. No. Like cheese, Paul Nolan makes everything better. Cheesier. Everything's cheesier. Yeah. With Paul Nolan. Potatoes, better with cheese. Broccoli, better with cheese. Chicken, better with cheese. And Paul's the same way. It's like, you know... 
Uh-huh. This so I'm better with Paul. Singing was great. Add Paul, it gets better. So, so what? A Mary's crackers with some sort of what kind of cheese do you want with the Mary's yeah, crackers? Like a blue cheese, a, really with stinky. Please cheese. That. Ew. So I'm the cheapest form of cheese. I'll take it. I'll take it. Like because at least I'll last forever. Um, <laughs> Right. I just want you to be preserved on the shelf for all time. Here, here's what I think. I think Hannah's got to be in the passenger seat because she's a better guitar player and um, she probably knows more songs. So, <laughs> and I don't think I'd be very relaxed with anyone else driving. So there you go. It would take us about four days at 116 <laughs> miles. <laughs> in the Model T. In the Model in T. Model T. Yeah. Probably yeah. stop at several like parks, state parks. I'd make us like get out. We'd have yeah. like hikes to do yeah this is the best part is hannah is amazing at planning state park trips i look at some of her pictures with steve her husband and i'm so jealous we'd be in like you plan one for me and keely i'd like stop i'd i'd take us out it'd be very scenic Mm -hmm. that's probably good for me because i i get into a car and i'm like a dog with a bone you can't make me stop for anything but gas (laughs) Someone has okay. to go to the bathroom in the backseat. I'm, You're not I'm good at it. getting places, just not good at enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, uh, one, la- one last question, because Paul mentioned the fact, uh, Hannah, that you are a good guitar player. With all of the actors who played instruments in there, I, I was kind of hoping you'd pick up the drumsticks and start drumming. I, I love some Josh Cohen. I would have loved to seen some more drumming out of you from that show that's my that's my complaint that's my complaint that's a a deep cut oh i love that show love that show Cohen. i did that show three times you're right and i drummed that entire show i know isn't it funny like talk about just a wealth of talent on stage we have so many actors who also play instruments and i mean really play i don't mean actors who have picked up a casual instrument and learned over the last six weeks i mean actors who have been playing these instruments since they were four years old it is such a joy to watch them play and paul obviously is a fabulous musician i play a lot of instruments but you never see us play so we you know even the actors who are on stage who don't have instruments play instruments so it's a very musical company there's a lot of musicality oh my goodness nathan salstone plays my brother and plays guitar and and cajon and we have a lot of uh really cool sounds in the show like glockenspiel accordion banjo harmonica we have a bass clarinet that will rock your soul it's so it's so lovely so if you're a if you're a, a musical sort of a musician actor fan you'll also really enjoy this production yeah absolutely well thank you so much for giving me your time this morning i i really appreciate it i know this has been a weird couple weeks uh for you all and in the 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 run is coming to an end but uh, i can't tell you how much i appreciate you talking about this it was really a pleasure to see you on stage and to see you here in zoom even though we weren't going to do the cameras uh, Hannah guilted us into turning the cameras on. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate I did. That. Come on. yeah, it's great. I'll just, I know no one saw it, but I just want everyone to know how good looking we all are. It really, it was worth it. Paul and I are rocking our hats because it's early yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. we appreciate we it. Well, well, thank you both so much. Enjoy the rest of your time in Florida, and uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to chat again in the future. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. Thanks again. Bye.